Welcome to episode 290 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review the historic 2023 NRL Grand Final between the Penrith Panthers and Brisbane Broncos and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 290 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, the grand final, one of the greatest of all time, people are claiming. The Penrith Panthers defeating the Brisbane Broncos. They are the three-peat champions. Did you watch the game? Did you get pumped up? Was it one of the greatest? What do you reckon? Yeah, look, I think it was clearly uh, simply one of the best grand finals. I'll have to put it in the top 115, um, you know, uh, of all the grand finals that we've had. And, uh, yeah, to, to see, uh, you know, Ivan Cleary's Penrith Panthers, uh, you know, make it a three-peat over Chris Minz's Brisbane Broncos. I mean... <laughs> Would you have the New South Wales Premier going for you? This is the secret I think we should have uh, had for State of Origin all these years. All of our Premiers always supported New South Wales. And if we just have our Premier support the other other side, maybe we would have won some more. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, look, he was just trying to be honest. and, And I think, look, he's a genius. I mean, he hedged his bets and it ended up being a a game of two halves, wasn't it? <laughs> like, I mean, like literally it, it required a, it's a men's style greatest comeback of all time uh, <laughs> yeah, that was required, absolutely. you know, but um, well, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot to discuss, but yeah. So go, go serves ahead. him right. Serves him right. A, a politician trying to be honest. This is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> and try and trying to give a genuine, a genuine rugby league tip as opposed <laughs> yeah. to, as opposed to the predictable fly the flag of my state, even though, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't follow it. Like, he's a Bulldog. Is he a Bulldogs fan or no, what was St. it? St. That... George. Oh, St. George. You know, look, look. to be honest, I'm more disappointed he didn't revive or trigger the, the memories of 92, 93 mm. when the famous Alan Langer shouted, St. George can't play, St. George can't play. If it was me... And it was an eels, it was, you know, it was just an eyes and eels premier. Um, you know, the storm versus any other team. I would not <laughs> be back in the storm whatsoever because <laughs> yeah. I'm triggered too much by the history between our teams. So I'm a bit disappointed about that. But I guess he's, uh, you know, why wouldn't you, as a Dragons fan, support the Panthers? I have no idea. But anyway, um, you know, it's trying to be honest. It's trying to be a genuine yeah. tipster, genuine punter. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it was definitely pure honesty because um, obviously, like, you know, you're a New South Wales Premier, you're probably not going to go for a team across the state. But even the way he talked about the game, um, he sounded like most St. George players, uh, you know, fans at the moment, not having a lot of fun following their team. He definitely sounded like that as well. So um, I, I was actually guessing, I was thinking, okay, who, who does he really go for? And 
I pretty much bang got it on. Like, yeah, it must be St. George Dragons. And then and then, then I heard it was. So, But, look, I think good on him, you know, like, you know, not towing that line. I think um, I think I do appreciate that. It just makes – and it just makes this grand final, I think, even that more special, right? Just, like, everybody weighing in um, on what's going to happen. I mean, the, the whole historic nature of it. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean – we're already jumping the gun here a little bit. I just uh, probably get should get straight into it as soon as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, before we do, this is uh, look. Obviously, we're going to pre uh, review. Sorry, the uh, grand final, but there's a lot more to discuss as well. We're going to touch on the Adelie M Awards and the uh, the teams that have been announced, the men's teams for the Pacific Championships as well. So there's a lot to cover. So let's launch into it. Tackle number one: the recap of the entire NRL Grand Final day. All right, so the NRL Grand Final Day started with the NRL State Championships, where the South Sydney Rabbitohs, representing the New South Wales State Champions, defeated the Queensland State Champions, the Brisbane Tigers, used to be called East Tigers, um, 42-22. to 22. They were win- leading 12-6 at halftime and absolutely ran away with it in the second half. Um, uh, eight tries to four, so... <laughs> You know, uh, good defense wins championships unless you're talking about the NRL state championships, in which case good attack wins that championship. Um, uh, Tish, uh, did you get to catch this game and what did you think about uh, about the South Sydney Rabbitohs? I think it was their first state championship that they've ever won, which is kind of unusual, but there you go. Uh, or the first, sorry, it's not the first state, the first um, uh, national championship, and this is only really a, a recent thing, anyway. What did you think of the game? Yeah, look, I thought it was great. Um, uh, look, it was, I think, the scoreline score a little bit. Um, they sort of ran away with it at the end, and then I'm also thinking that there was a few consolation tries from the East, uh, from the East Tigers slash Brisbane Tigers or East Brisbane Tigers or whatever they're called, but um. Yeah, because they definitely look like um, that they enjoyed the the break, like the fourteen day turnaround, as opposed to the the you know the seven day turnaround that the Rabbitohs had. But I think in the end, the Rabbitohs definitely showed like you know they had Blake Taft in there, they had you know a few players who'd already played several several games this year and previous seasons for the Rabbitohs in their lineup, and you know they kind of did the, that. I think the Brisbane side was a bit more of a. Um, a feeder club for the Storm. So there's a couple of Storm players that were playing in their team. But I think overall just the mixture of, like, you know, the talent that was, um, you know, that had played NRL first level just really helped um, the Rabbitohs go through. And, yeah, look, I think some some really exciting um, players as well. I know that the um, there was a hat-trick in this game and I think it came from their, you know, one of the wingers for the Rabbitohs who is, um, you know, Tyrone Tixby. Monroe. Yeah, Tyrone, Tyrone Monroe, Monroe, that's it. Monroe. Yeah, yep, yeah. And I've got to say, also, like you know, Shaq Mitchell, also he was a bit impressive as well. Like just you know, big guy, but you know, come up with a lot of really good plays and and quite skillful as well at his, you know, at his sort of, um, you know, uh, in his position of front row, right? Like you know, it's always good to have a front row that can't just take it up, but also you know, passing and a couple of other things as well. So I thought, yeah, look, quite enjoyable in the end, but look. You know, the Rabbitohs, they were clearly a lot stronger. And, you know, despite 
not having the break, they were still able to win it 42-22. I kind of wonder what would have happened if uh, if 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 they both enjoyed the same break in between games. I, I don't know how that would turn around. So um, this game is always really difficult too because, uh, you know, you obviously win your season, you celebrate, and then you're going to come back um for another game so i don't i don't know uh i don't know sometimes how the prep works for this game but yeah look what a great way to kick off the you know the the game where you know the uh the day with a rabbitos victory against the tigers um you know um in sydney fantastic and uh, another another win for uh, new south wales for that one so new south wales 1-0 uh, excellent and and final. and that was to continue in the second game, which was the NRLW Grand Final, the Women's Grand Final, where the Newcastle Knights took out their second premiership in a row, 24 to 18 over the Titans from Gold Coast. It was five tries to three, 24 18, but it was 12 8 at halftime. And in what was a, a foreshadowing of what was to come in the future, <laughs> in the game following this, the men's NRL game. The losing team had a hat trick to a player, Jamie Chapman, mm. a hat trick of tries, and uh, is the only try scored by the Gold Coast Titans. They were up 18 12 uh, with 20 minutes to go. And then the Dallium, it's actually not called Dallium, is, is it called? Uh, it's called something else, I think. I know it's still called Dallium medalist for the NRLW, Tamika Upton then scored two consecutive tries in the 60th and 65th minute to put the Knights 24-18 ahead, and they held on to that lead until the very end of the game. So a comeback from the Knights, a hat-trick to the losing side, a New South Wales club victors over the Queensland club. It was pretty much exactly what we saw in the Panthers, uh, you know, and the star player basically leading the comeback and, and finishing it off for them. Um, you know, Newcastle Knights, congratulations again to Mika Upton, the NRLW Dalian Player of the Year, stood up when it counted. The best, the best paid player and the best player stood up when it counted in the biggest game uh, to, to win them their second premiership in a row. You know, well done. The Knights, they were favourites going into this Um you know, the, uh, they, they just uh, are dominant. Um, and when it counted, they were tested, that's for sure. But uh, the Knights, you know, all over them in the end. And, uh, you know, six points feels like nothing, but it's a lot in, in grand finals when the teams are so close. Uh, Tish, what were your thoughts on the Knights v. the Titans? Well, look, um, quick quick little story. Uh, I was up in the Gold Coast a couple of uh, weeks ago and actually ran into the Titans and I actually spoke to Jamie Chapman, um, I, yeah. What I did you her, say to inspire her? <laughs> I actually asked her. I said, um, "You know, what is your, your your number one skill in rugby league?" And she said it was her palm, like you know, like. <clears throat> and then I noticed she used her palm a lot. So I was just thinking, you know, is it that she knows now? Like you know, I was able to guide her to tell her, like you know, play to your strengths. You know, that she kind of uh, was palming people left, right, and center because you know. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was probably, uh, probably the, the, you know, the fend that, uh, takes you to the end. I don't know. I don't know if that's the way you, 
want to talk. But yeah, so I was I was super excited to see that, just to see how she was going to try. I think it was fantastic. And look, she is a young player as well, so I think definitely a rising superstar. But I mean, this is the Tamika Upton show, right? Like um, they were losing the Knights. You know, you you thought the Titans. You know, they brought their A game. I think. Uh, you know, the commentary, I think everybody was kind of like thinking, well, this is the Titans, this is the season. Can they do it? Can they be the first, um, not just in rugby league, but, you know, across all sports, the first franchise from the Gold Coast to win a national title? Like that's that's what the the, the Gold Coast Titans had before them. But then Tamika Upton comes in and uh, she just, you know, takes the game by her, her own shoulders and uh, what a performance. And, um, you know, she became unstoppable at the end. Um, it was it was really great to see. And uh, and there we go. That's another victory to New South Wales. So it's New South Wales 2-0 at Grand Final Day. Couldn't believe it. And, and teach, you know, I love the, t- the stats. So I need, to, I need to bring up the stats for this one because <laughs> yes. they're very, rele- very relevant. So you talked about Jamie Chapman and her famous palm. Post-contact meters is where you need the palm. When you can fend off a player, they try to tackle you, and then you can make more meters. That is the statistic that is of interest, post-contact meters, and that is where the Titans were ahead. Uh, Well, there's a lot of, actually, stats that the Titans were ahead. 504 to 446 post-contact meters. A lot of those were probably Jamie Chapman. Another really interesting stat, which sort of, uh, if you just look at the stats and not the score, you might, you might have thought that the Titans should have actually flogged the Knights based on this. Tackle breaks, which another way to look at it is missed tackles. Um, tackle breaks were in favour of the Titans, 45 to 16. That means the Knights had 45 missed tackles, which is unbelievable, to 16. So this is, uh, you know, unbelievable. And, of course, my favourite, the dummy passes, um, mm. you know, 20 to 18 in favour of the Titans. Unfortunately, that metric did not lead to the victory for them that they deserved, but <laughs> there right. you go. But just goes to show that you can have all the stats in the world to show you that one team should have dominated. But at the end of the day, it does come down to the brilliance of individual players uh, and, and the conversion of opportunities to points. And if that doesn't happen, and sometimes the stats kind of, um, you know, lie about those things because you don't or, or that's hidden in there in the stats um you don't see it that often and you and we'll talk about the in in the review of the panthers broncos game same sort of thing there were some stats that sort of le- would lead you to believe that the panthers should have completely dominated the broncos uh on the scoreboard that wasn't the case it was a uh, some individual brilliance of op- taking opportunities when they present themselves even if statistically you're having a bit of a shocker um, that's kind of what happened, I think, with the Knights. I think uh, they shouldn't have been there uh, at the end, but they were because of Tamika Upton and 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 the the experience of that Knights lineup. So look, there's a, the tale of the stats telling you a different story, but but an interesting one nonetheless. Um, a couple other things before we move on uh, to the 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 review of the actual game, the Panthers and Broncos, the main event. Um, is uh, I just want to sort of mention one of the other things that happened in the the the, the day's coverage on Channel Nine. Uh, well, the, the day anyway, if you were there, is uh, the tribute to Tina Turner. Obviously, passed away this year. Yeah. We, we gave a bit of a um, uh, you know remembrance of her in in one of the, our previous podcasts. Um, 
they uh, they announced a while ago that they would uh, have the stars of the Tina musical, which I did go to see actually earlier this year, which was I have to say brilliant. Not not expected to be uh, impressed, but I was very impressed. Um, it was a really really great show, and I thought when they announced that, I thought this is going to be absolutely brilliant because this is someone who is able to sing in the style of Tina Turner, has the mannerisms down um, and and can put a bit of and, – and there's a whole show behind it. It isn't just one person. There's there's the, you know, the, the other dancers and singers, et cetera, and the saxophone player, of course, during Simply the Best. Um, they did all mm. of that, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But I, I wanted to raise this because I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought of the performance of uh, – they had several songs. Obviously, they did the best. They did uh, the, a couple other favourites as well and some of her older favourites. Um, but interestingly, the post-grand final – uh, media onslaught against the this uh, decision by the NRL to choose uh, these musicians to to do the the tribute. Obviously, it was a tribute of a thirty. It's been thirty years since uh, Tina Turner did that iconic performance in the nineteen ninety three Grand Final pregame. I think it was pregame or halftime show. I think it was pregame. Um, of simply the best, obviously when she was at her peak, when the song was at its peak, uh, and and this was a thirty-year kind of remembrance and, and celebration of that, uh, and obviously more poignant because she had died this year as well. So um, very interesting to see the media onslaught against uh, the the cast of the musical, uh, saying you know this is the best that the NRL could do versus what the AFL did, where they got. Uh, you know, r- legendary rockers Kiss, uh, you know, 79, 80, 81 year old Kiss, uh, uh, to and a big performance, lots of kids dressed up. It seemed like a fun kind of ma- atmosphere there at the MCG. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on this, Tish. What, what did you think about that? Uh, you know, the, the media kind of uh bias really against uh the nrl's choice here which i thought was brilliant uh i thought it, they did it very well it was appropriate and and it was fun and it was really good i look like they got everyone rocking so i just i'm disappointed that the media uh and a lot of social influences um came out against what the nrl did i thought it was actually brilliant so i just wanted your take on that what do you think happened um well look i think overall and uh, not just tina turner um but i think the all of the uh, pre-match entertainment, as well as the Channel Nine coverage, I actually enjoyed a lot. Right, so, um, but I think the main criticism was on the Tina Turner stuff. Uh, and I'll be honest, I loved uh, Simply the Best. I thought that was fantastic. Right, um, you know, I thought it was. I think yeah, I, I don't think the NRL could have done anything different because of you know. This is the year that Tina Turner passed away. And in terms of like, you know, it's a big moment in rugby league when she, um, you know, was starting to do the songs. And, you know, she she also did a song before that, right, um, uh, which I think is, uh, what uh, you know. What you get is what you see. Yeah, what you get is what you say, Rich. Which I don't know if they did that song. Um, no, they didn't. They didn't. No, they didn't. Which which I would have seen. And um, but I think the bit that kind of <laughs> went a little off for me. And it's, it just happens to be a song that I like, but I just felt, what? It, why are they doing this song? Is um, the Nup 
not push city limits. I was like, what are they doing? Like, just like, what? Like, what are we doing? Not push? Like, I don't know. Is this because, like, you know, I just, I mean, so I, I think they were just trying to I, do I was hurt, okay but. with that. I was okay with that. I wasn't okay with the fact that the dancers completely butchered the nut bush. They didn't do it right. I was like, no, it's left foot, then right foot. What are you doing? Anyway. Yeah, which could be where the, I mean, look, um, sometimes like um, sometimes your reasoning, like, you know, you don't like something, you don't know why you like it, and then you uh, and then you sort of justify why you don't like it, and it ends up being something not. So maybe look, a song like the nut bush or even even Tina Turner herself and, and her grand final things. It's something that we kind of grew up with, we kind of really enjoyed. It's, you know, it sort of sends goosebumps when you hear the song simple as this and you see the footage right so maybe like people have got that image and they they don't want to you know there's there's something that they just put them off or something but i thought it was fantastic and the bit that i really loved and i don't know if they've done it in other years but i really liked how they paid tribute to you know i think they called it the rugby league family who um you know who we lost this year um and they sort of go yeah. Go, they go for that tribute, which was amazing, um, was and they Dar- even put Tina Turner it? in it as well, yeah. which I thought was like class above anything else. And I thought that um, also, you know, this is the thirtieth. Uh, well, this is the th- yeah fortieth tribute to Australia winning the America's Cup. So that song down under, having an Aboriginal uh, band um, sing that song in a gr- in an absolutely awesome. Um, um, Absolutely awesome performance beforehand. Yeah, I, I can't right, really yeah. fault the the entertainment like in its entirety, but I could. <laughs> but there are there's always going to be one or two moments where you just like, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean. And yes, yeah, so I think the oh, beat up is, yeah. is a bit unjustified. Yeah, yeah. Look, nothing's perfect, but uh, yeah, I think it was it Dale Finucane that actually did the song. For the in memoriam, is that what is that what you're talking about? There was that was pretty yeah. good the way they did that. Really? Um, I think it was. I, I that's what I saw. I saw uh, I saw a name and I thought that looks familiar. Um, I I got to say I agree with you. I think they put a lot of thought and heart and soul into into the decisions that they made, and I thought that to me is like, you know, what what's funny is when we get a media kind of beat up about you, you know, the NRL boo, the NRL made the wrong choice here and, and, uh, you know, how pathetic that they, they chose a, a Broadway cast, <laughs> musical cast rather than legendary rockers kiss. Can you imagine if it was the other way around? I, I get mm. the feeling that, that there's an actual NRL bias in the media and this is no more evident than what happened on this occasion. If it was the other way around and NRL got kissed, don't you think they would have gone off for days and days about how we got old aging rockers that haven't had a hit in 40 years um, to, to yeah. you know, in their walking sticks and, and, uh, and, and wheelchairs come out and, and uh, you know, pathetic with, with, you know, they could have come up with any sort of thing. To be honest, I thought they were both good. And and it's like, can everyone just get over it and just let us enjoy our choices that we make? There's a reason why we made these choices. I thought they were really appropriate that they picked those people to to do the Tina Turner tribute. I thought Ruva, I forget her surname, Ruva something is, uh, I've got to look her up. Is is just amazing. And uh, mm. and uh, yeah, it, it's just I don't know what to say. I mean. Um, you know, it, it, 
I, I just thought she was really good um, and and it was appropriate. It was the right choice and I think it, it just feels a bit like, you know, there's a little bit of the the bias going on there and uh, it's disappointing. But anyway, I just thought I'd raise that, that that was something that certainly came out of the day. Um, look, without any further ado, we need to jump into the big event, the main event, the Panthers versus Broncos. So here's our review of the 2023 NRL Grand Final. So the Penrith Panthers defeated the Brisbane Broncos 26 to 24. It was four tries apiece. Tries to Mitch Kenny, Moses Leota, Stephen Crichton, and Nathan Cleary. Uh, Crichton got one of the goals. Cleary got the other three, and he also got a penalty goal. And for the Broncos, Flegler and they got the try, the first try, and then three tries to Ezra Mam in the second half. And Adam Reynolds scored four goals. So the difference was two points. It was the same difference at halftime, eight points to six. Um, it was uh, it was the uh, Panthers – well, it was a three-peat, <laughs> the famous three-peat that they've been searching for. They finally did it in in style and in, uh, in, in dramatic fashion. The first three-peat since the Eels in 1981 to 1983. So it's been 40 years exactly since that feat has been achieved. So well done to the Panthers. Another Western Sydney team taking that mantle of, uh, you know, really a once-in-a-generation club team. Um, uh, Nathan Cleary winning the Clive Churchill medal for best player in the grand final two years in a row. Um, Ezra Mam scoring three tries in a losing side, you know, mirroring what happened in the NRLW game earlier where the losing team got three uh, a hat-trick but unfortunately wasn't to be. And really the talking point, uh, and the other thing is uh, uh, Stephen Crichton uh, also achieved something. He has scored four tries in four successive grand finals. I think he's the first person to do that for quite some time, I believe, or probably ever. I'm not sure. Um, but really, and the other thing, the, the biggest comeback in NRL Grand Final history, 16 points down they were. The previous biggest comeback was the Storm, I think, versus the St. George Illawarra Dragons in 1999. I was at that game. Um, disappointing for the Dragons fans in their first year as a joint venture, but the Storm winning that one. Um, that was 14 points difference. This was 16, so not much of a difference, but it felt like the Broncos were home and hose with 20 minutes to go. And then Nathan Cleary yes. <laughs> kicked into gear. Um, and, and I have to say, before I tell you the the, the turning points and then the major kind of dot points here about what happened in that comeback, at that point, I felt he actually had caused... <laughs> Two of Ezra Mam's tries. Uh, he his terrible tackling meant that uh, he actually caused the line breaks. Um, he came out too quickly. Completely was it looked like a turnstile. It was kind of embarrassing. Not not Kalen Ponga esque embarrassing, but almost up there. And uh, and I thought at that point I actually genuinely thought, geez, Cleary is having a shocker. Um, Adam Reynolds, what a genius move for the Broncos. Twenty four eight. They are home and hose. It's all over. And then 
something happened. And I think what may have happened was uh, Jerome Luai went off the field. They had to reshuffle some things. Um, was it Crocker came on? I forget the name. Um, and Or Cogger, sorry. Um, um, and, and then all of a sudden there were a few things that, that Nathan Cleary did. A 40-20 on the third mm-hmm. tackle. To, to, you know, he saw an opportunity. He took a risk. It paid off. They got the ball in that same set uh, or, or shortly thereafter, they scored a try. Um, and then later on, he had a try assist where he broke the line. Um, I, I forget which play. It could have been, um, I think it was Katoni Staggs that actually missed the tackle, the key tackle there. Um he broke the line inside to Moses Leota, who scored that try. And then obviously, you know, soon after that was the Stephen Crichton, um, strong Stephen Crichton try uh, with four players all over him. Uh, Cobo was, one, you know, he wrong-footed them and he just with his strength and determination, you know, slammed, really slammed the ball down to score that try, got over the the three players on the corner there. Um, and then with four minutes to go, the momentum clearly with the Panthers, um, but they needed that try. And who was it that delivered it with uh, almost going through untouched, but for the fingertips of Reese Walsh, touching his shoulder as he ducked under the uh, pretty feeble tackle, actually, by Reese Walsh. Um, to almost go untouched straight through the middle to score under the post and basically then converted his own try to go two points ahead, Nathan Cleary. Um, again, out of nothing, he saw an opportunity. He saw a gap that actually opened up very quickly and all, closed almost as quickly, but he was fast enough to get through it. So, again, what happened here was Cleary took uh, the game by the scruff of the neck and look, the superlatives have come out. You know, best half uh, halfback grand final performance ever. Um, what happened? J- Jonathan Thurston was talking about. He blew my mind. What happened? He was very passionate and pretty funny actually. After that, everyone was talking about this, and and you kind of knew that up until that point, Ezra Mam was going to win the the Clive Churchill Medal, scoring three tries, not just being in the right place at the right time. He actually kind of had two line break, breaks of his own. So he actually was the man of the moment, but that was mm. snatched away at the end by 20 minutes of brilliance by Nathan Cleary, who, uh, you know, the, took the Panthers from a sure defeat to, you know, climbing that mountain in those 20 minutes, getting the points that they needed, you know, willing themselves to win that third grand final in succession it was a masterclass at, at the end of the day. Um, and despite the fact that he had a bit of a shocker earlier in the game and a, and a few missed tackles, I think those what he did in those last 20 minutes more than justifies him winning the man of the match there and uh, the Clive Churchill medal winner. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Congratulations to the Panthers. You know, once in a generation type uh, set up there, three... Premiership winning one is hard enough. Just ask the Parramatta Eels, <laughs> but winning three in a row is unbelievable. And so, look, my hats off to the Panthers. They they've done it. They've achieved so much. And this is despite the fact that this year they lost 
two key players, one member of the spine and one uh, of the most powerful forwards in the world. And they still managed to win a premiership despite losing those two key players. Uh, Tish, I can't say any more than that. It was brilliant all round. I think I covered all the main things. Uh, give me your rundown of what you saw that happen and, and what your thoughts are on this game. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think that's a great review of sort of what happened uh, in you know in the um, yeah in in the in the sort of the last twenty minutes of the game uh, and it was an absolute amazing turnaround right but I want to take you back because I think um, you know I think we'll probably talk about it because everybody's been asking the same question because it is um, as you said the statistic of the biggest comeback ever uh, in a grand final right which is which is like out of this world really and um, but I think I think uh, you know we're we're talking about a great second half but like we also have to go back to the first half and and talk about the whole thing because at the start of the game um you know even though these teams are number one and two you kind of saw uh you kind of saw the difference between the two teams in that um the panthers were concentrating on completions and like really solid defense like they were they were getting in there right it was really aggressive defense and on the flip side the broncos were playing um you know, just trying to drop the ball as much as I can, right? Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, like. I think they had only one completion out of their first seven sets, and um, you know, in the middle of that, they had a really good opportunity to score early after a Billy Walters forty twenty, um, which was like again probably a bit of a risk because it was like third tackle, but it was it was pretty pretty amazing. And then I think this is kind of one of the stories of the match. Um, Adam Reynolds and his dropouts, right? Because <laughs> drop dropout number one in the game, right, uh, came uh, with, uh, you know, the, the Panthers, um, you know, the Panthers sort of, uh, I think, getting him trapped in the in goal, I want to say. And the first dropout, um, I think it was Herbie. He gets the ball. And passes and yeah, he 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 sort of jumps up instead of trying to catch it, he palms it back, and who's there? Mitch Kenny, <laughs> and he scores a try, uh, just like out of nowhere sort of thing. So, and and well done. Like this is one of these things that kind of uh, you know brings the drama out of the game, right? Because yeah, look, the Panthers were dominating, but they didn't really uh, do much in attack, and then all of a sudden they get this opportunity, and they just take full advantage of it. <laughs> And it was great, right? Then uh, you go uh, a little bit further, and then you get to Adam Reynolds, right? Dropout number two, right? <laughs> <laughs> now this one ended up being a penalty. I want to say that it was out on the full, right? I can't remember. Yeah, well, it went out it... on the full. Yeah, but what <laughs> happened was they. It was a Nathan Cleary moment of brilliance. He caught it. So it didn't actually go out on a full. No, no, this, this is later. This is th- that's. Oh that's no, this is a different three. one. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. this is the first half one, right? Sorry, I think it just yeah, yeah. Went, yeah, just went out on the full. He tried to uh, drop it short, and yeah, penalty right, right in the front. So eight nil. So the Broncos yep. uh, having really good defense, making a lot of errors, um, but really the the Panthers' points in the first half came off two Adam Reynolds drop, you know, dropouts, <laughs> right? Um, and then yeah, look, I, I, and I think uh, I think but the thing is, like, I kind of felt that uh, even if it went eight nil uh, at halftime, I felt like that the Broncos would have um, taken that because I don't think they 
they've I don't think they were really in the game that much. Um, then you know Thomas Flegler comes and scores a try. You know he's a front rower that scores. It's it's unique to see a front uh, front rower score, but he's not the only front rower that scores in this game, is he? As you've pu- pulled out Moses Leo later on, um, and then look, yeah, then it became the Ezra Man show after halftime, right? He came out and um, scored some well, two really great individual tries. Um, because I think the one thing that you could say about Brisbane in, in terms of their attack, we've got so many players that don't need a lot um, of space to be able to score a try and, and make a break. And um, and that was great. And then, you know, three on the trot with the third one sort of having the assist of uh, Reese Walsh. I thought, you know, that was that was great. He sort of I think I think Ezra Mann's performance kind of brought Reese into the game a little bit because he was a little quiet in the first half, right? Um, and then, you know, they got out, shot out to 24. And then, yeah, as you've quite rightly called, then we start the Nathan Cleary show. And, you know, there was a there was an unsuccessful captain's challenge for Penrith. Um, then I saw, I, I believe it was, um, I believe it was Patrick Carrigan who sort of dropped the ball that led to the first try. So there was, you know, there's a bit of errors, but yeah, it was great. There was a, you know, there was a great intercept at one stage by Stephen Crichton, which then got the ball to Leota and then he was sort of in the clear and then Leota comes back and scores, which that was a great try in its, uh, in its own. And then, and then, yeah, Nathan Cleary, a 40-20, um, as, as you called again, fantastic stuff. And just, you know, he, he came back with a vengeance and like, you know, you saw the shots. I think they even timed it like perfectly. Like you saw the shot of Jerome Lewis sitting on the bench, and you you always felt with Penrith in the past. You thought, well, when they need some creativity, they need Jerome Lewis because you know um, Clear is a great conductor, but is he one of those type of halfbacks that can actually, you know, mount a comeback? And uh, you know, can he? Um, you know, is he is he uh, lethal enough on his own? Um, you know, he's, you know, can he get the right people in the right place? Because you because you felt like Luai is the guy that sort of makes things happen type thing. Um, mm. But um, interestingly, after, you know, I watched the first, the first time I watched this match, I saw it on Channel 9. The second time I, I listened to the Fox commentary and uh, Cooper Cronk said something very interesting and I didn't, really didn't notice this, but when Jerome Luai came, came off, Cogger went in but Cogger played halfback and Cleary played 5'8", and they moved him out to second receiver, not first receiver, right? Yep. Yep. So so what a tactical genius by Ivan Cleary, right? Like because I don't think Brisbane had prepared for that because all no. of a sudden they couldn't stop him. Sorry, That's right, and did. he had space. Yeah, and, and yeah. he had space as well. Yep. Yeah, he did. He did, and then and then and I think yeah. So uh, yeah, and then we had uh, as we talked about the uh, <laughs> dropout number three, which is the one where Cleary brilliantly, um, you know, had his foot out, so he got caught on the full, and then as it turned out, that was a uh, that they burned a challenge <laughs> as well. So <laughs> which was, was fair enough because it was a split. It was a split second decision there. And yep. and really, it was he had just put his foot outside the line as he caught it. So it looked, you know, in, in normal motion, you could. It was fair enough that they challenged that because you couldn't tell from that far away. But the point is that again, it was an Adam Reynolds poor decision in terms of his uh, his uh, goal line dropouts, basically. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then um, then he had another dropout, which then led to uh, that was in the 75th minute, and then a minute later they scored, you know, after a ruck infringement from Herbie Farnworth, a set restart, and then Nathan Cleary kind of um, beat, well, he kind of beat like five players, right? Um uh, to score that try to to sort of win the game. So how fitting it was that he ended up scoring those winning points, and then yeah, they just they just couldn't go back. So what you had effectively is you had um, Brisbane coming back from eight nil to lead twenty four eight. So amazing comeback from Brisbane, but then topped off by a Panthers comeback in the last twenty minutes um, from Nathan Cleary. Uh, and I am saying Nathan Cleary because he was definitely the architect. He was kind of the strongest part of it. He did have. You know, a few sidekicks that I think need to be mentioned. Obviously, I think Moses Leota scoring the first try, but also I thought he was he was he was outstanding. Um, he was, yeah. I think Mitch, I think Mitch Kenny was outstanding too, um, and and Stephen Crichton. You know, um, you know, there, it, it took a bit of brilliance his try as well. Like, you know, there was he had a lot to do. It wasn't like it was completely all set up for him. So I think you know those those four. I'd throw in James Fisher Harris as well. Um in, in mounting staging that comeback. I thought they were they were key. Um but I think I think, you know, it's with with all of the Penrith players, they are a team and they play together and uh, they can cover for each other. They they know what each other's roles are. So I think it's just so well organized, so well done. And I think, you know, it's after forty years we've had a team that's won um three in a row. Um and, and it's great because I think Penrith have created the right system, everybody plays uh for their community. Um you know, and they're from the community too. They have great pride in it, and they're all still so young. So it's going to be amazing. I do think that despite all the errors, despite all the mistakes, Brisbane only lost by two. So I could definitely see them um, being a lot stronger coming back from this next year. I, I, I have that feeling. You know, they, they talked about you got to lose one and win one, and I think Kevin Mulder said, "Well." That's not the Brisbane way because they just win premierships. They don't really make grand finals. They win grand finals. He kind of said a bit of that, um, but I think I think they do have uh, they do have all the ingredients because if you could play, if you could have that many areas and only lose by two to the Panthers in the grand final, and it's your first grand final, I think you could say that you know. You just got to make other grand finals to be able to do. I, I don't think they're going to be like the Rabbitohs and Parramatta, unfortunately, Doctor T, who made grand finals but then sort of slipped away, in, you know, in the following seasons. I, I feel like Brisbane can really build off this. Um, I think they've got a lot. So, but yeah, but look, what what an outstanding game, and um, you know, the debate is sort of raging out there. You know, where does this rank in grand finals? Is it the best ever? I think a lot of people are saying it's the best over ever. Um, you know, from the emotion of it um but um but yeah look i've changed my opinion several times but uh but it's going to be interesting but what are your thoughts on on where does this sit in the in in the rankings of grand finals um look i i gotta say it's, it's got to be up there i mean if if i'm maybe maybe we should just do a quick one let's let's go through the the grand finals that we think are Probably the best ones for various reasons, and and they'll be different. They'll be they'll be ranked highly. It's a personal subjective opinion, and and it's yes. ranked highly in different people's minds for different reasons. So I'll go through some of the ones that I think are some of the best. So you know, it would surprise people to hear I'm not going to put any of the Eels <laughs> victories as 
some of the greatest of all time because they were slugfests in the 80s and they were boring games to watch. But we won those games. So as an entertainment spectacle, I would say it was exciting. Like the 86 one for me was exciting. That's up there because it was a, a special one, you know, the two greats of the game retiring. But I don't think many people would think many of the game uh, the, of the grand finals in the 80s would be considered the best of all time because they were they were quite you know uh, difficult games to watch it was defense it was a defense oriented era i would say one of my favorites was the actually the 91 uh penrith Panthers. first penrith victory i thought that was mm. exciting for various reasons greg alexander royce simmons mark guyer brad fitler so many you know a, just a great story. The fact that they won against a green machine that was dominant at the time and continued to be dominant after that was uh, was pretty special. Um, the 89 grand final, I mean, the first ever extra time grand final, it was special. The, you know, obviously not as a Tigers fan, you wouldn't enjoy that one, but it was special in terms of, you know, so exciting and the first... Um, it wasn't sorry. It wasn't the first extra time. It was the first extra time grand final. But in previous years, when they've had drawn grand finals, they've had to replay them the week after. So there was something special about the the modern way of dealing with a drawn uh, game at the end of eighty minutes. So that to me was special. Then I fast forward a little bit, and I'm thinking, you know, in the nineties, really the Knights winning that that in in the, at the death against Manly again, another special moment because it was their first ever premiership in the biggest competition i know it was a split competition so that there's a bit of an asterisk on that but still i thought it was an epic grand final again a tale of two different styles of teams but in the end uh john andrew john's kind of brilliance at the end at the very end like literally with seconds to go it was just uh you know unbelievable um, fast forward a little bit more out of the other games that we've seen in, in the ensuing years, you know, the, the Cowboys and the Broncos, that last, you know, the game itself wasn't that great, but the ending was absolutely dramatic. Uh, the way the Cowboys scored at the very last minute to tie the game, Thurston had a chance to win it with a, and then uh, delivered a terrible um, goal kick from, uh, you know, conversion from the sideline, went to extra time. And in the end of the day, he ended up winning with a, 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 a golden point uh, field goal. And and so, you know, you look at all these games and you think there's been a lot of special games. But I think when you put all those together, and if those are the ones that I think are the high, highest ranked ones, I think this one that we just witnessed probably sits above them all. The storyline, the two best teams of the year, without question. The the speed of the Broncos, the defense of the Panthers, the fact that there was they were going for three, uh, three Pete. The fact that with the Broncos, it was a completely green new side. You know, apart from Reynolds and someone else, whoever it was, no other player had any grand final experience in that Broncos team. It was a, you know, a new era of the Broncos with Kevin Walters at the helm there. Um, so much of the story. And then the game itself. I mean, the I didn't even go into the stats, Tish. The Panthers dominated the, the key stats. And you would think mm. that they should have been winning by 26 points, not by two points. It was just unbelievable. Possession, 97% versus 71. Um, you know, all run meters easily above them. 
uh, uh, what else? Uh, I'm looking down. Well, dummy passes were to the Broncos, 23 to seven, but that doesn't help. Um, you know, you look at the uh, um, tackles made. You know, the the tackle efficiency, or a few things here and there. Really, from the efficiency point of view, you would have expected the Panthers to have flogged the Broncos, but they didn't. The Broncos, as you said, first half, lots of errors, still ended up going into the break, into the sheds, 8-6 down. Unbelievable. Should have been 18-6, but the Panthers could not, um, didn't have the spark. So, again, two interesting stories. Then the Broncos smashed them in the first half of the second half, and then the great comeback. You know, drama, drama, drama all over the place. Injuries all over the place. Adam Reynolds went down with what looked like a hip injury and then got back up and and did some amazing kicking. Jerome Luai, unfortunately, succumbed to his um, shoulder injury. Cleary, as you quite rightly pointed out, Nathan Cleary played a slightly different role uh, once Jerome Luai went off. And that actually was probably the genius move by Ivan Cleary, the coach. The fact that you've got a father-son combo versus another father-son combo in the Broncos. So many interesting things. And the more I look at it and, uh, you know, I was mesmerized by watching. Uh, I, I watched the last 15 minutes or so on YouTube uh, or on whatever channel posted it um, two or three times since since Sunday, uh, since Sunday's game, just to watch it again, just to see how on earth did this team get that momentum to come back and win this? Because I just, it was, it, I was just like Jonathan Thurston. I was blown away as to how this happened. And that to me makes this probably the greatest grand final that I've seen. It was so exciting. And uh, not just because of the comeback, but the way, the manner, the story, the fact that it's a three-peat, lots of things happening. Uh, it was a, and, and it was played at such a breakneck speed that a lot of players were saying this was the best game, hardest game that they've ever played. And these were origin players. And so, again, put all that together and it was just an epic, epic game. Um, but I would rank it number one. What about you, Tish? I've spoken a lot, but... How does that rank <laughs> compared to your other ones that you've okay, enjoyed well, over the years? Well, well look, uh, look, I went um, look like, like you've done. Um, try and think about the games that you've seen before, and sort of you know your emotions. And I know the emotions usually high week of the grand finals. And I thought, okay, I don't want my emotions to play too much into it because I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Um, so I uh, I had to put it into a three tier system, right? Of analyzing it. Um, <laughs> so the first is I asked. And AI software that everybody knows, um, you know, what What are the traits of a great match in any sport, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it gave you 13 different things, right? And I'll just read out the 13 different things. We don't go into it too. But skill and competence, intensity and competitiveness, drama and suspense, sportsmanship, um, strategies and tactics, comebacks and underdogs, memorable moments uh, that become iconic, passion and emotion, Historical significance, sportsmanship, fair play, fan engagement, legacy, right? And you put this game across those 13 things and you would say that it it delivers on all 13, right? Um, To the point, there were only five penalties in the whole game, right? And there were emotions. People were playing on the edge. But, you know, there wasn't 
you know, we talked about maybe not all in brawl or something like that. that. You know, that didn't happen, right? So, you know, even things like that, um, just the just the fan engagement. I know we talked a little bit about Chris Bins, but, you know, there was it, it was, uh, you know, it, it connected to the community in a big way, like, you know, fans in and out of the stadium, right? Um, the whole presentation, you know, so I thought I thought I thought the the atmosphere is that. So in that 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 really puts it up there. So then the next question is going through okay, look, how does it rank against the other grand finals that we've seen? And um, you know, the the two that stand out for me in the nineties, because look, I really can't uh, unfortunately for me, the 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 Raiders and Balmain Tigers game is too I was too young to in, when it was live. And I haven't really had a, a good look at it. So I really can't put that one in, nor can I put the first, uh, you know, the, the Panthers Raiders grand finals, both of them. Um, I saw them when I was a kid. I, I, I have fond memories of it, but I don't really have like strong memories of it. And then when I go back and watch it, it's, it's a different sort of game. Right. But in the nineties, uh, the, the Newcastle Manly one split competition. And I think also Melbourne's maiden one against George are the two that for me, like were great games. And obviously there was a great comeback in the Melbourne storm comeback as well. You know, in the 2000s, some of them blend in quite a lot. But, you know, obviously the Tigers for me, but that's kind of more of a personal note. Um, and also I also thought the Sharks and uh, Melbourne Storm Grand Final was actually fantastic as well, um, you know, with the Sharks winning for the first time. But then you have the Broncos one and the Cowboys. But then as you quite rightly said, um, it wasn't a great game until you had that sort of nail-biting finish, right? So that's the thing that takes it out. So then... When I put it against those ones that we've just pulled out as the elites, um, this one actually stands out more than more than all of them, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, th- and then the third tier, which is maybe the most important theory, is that if I if I took any of these grand finals and I thought, okay, I've got a person here that I want them to introduce them to rugby league, and I want to show them how exciting a sport can be, and and you know, and you know, without minimal instruction, watch this. Uh, I think you could take this game to anybody who doesn't know a thing about rugby league. You don't need to explain anything to them. They can, you just tell them, look, just watch this. This is what rugby league's all about. You'll get it at the end of it. I think everybody would enjoy it. And I think it's a very marketable game in that aspect. And, I, and you know, I actually thought about this uh, as well, is that they should probably make documentaries, uh, you know, out of the season, out of the build-up, and out of this game because it is one of these ones where, you know, it's something like, you know, when you watch the great, uh, you know, the NFL, you know, season review documentaries they do and they're like, you know, you know, the ESPN 30 for 30 and stuff like this. And, you know, I think this is the – for rugby league, this is one of those games where it could be highlighted as like just – because it is, it's in start to end, you know, the father son on either end coming in, um, you know, but like you know the, the, you know the story of the Panthers, the story of the Broncos. Only a few seasons ago, they they were dead last, and now they've come, you know, they come full circle. Um, you know, a great club, the Panthers, aiming for three in a row, something a club's never done in so many years, and they've done it with local talent, not getting you know, big-name players type thing to the club but actually creating their own big-name players. Um, there, there, there is there's, – there's, there's no point you could fault it. Like, you know, there really isn't. There's no, there's no sin bins. There's no great howler from the referees. There were probably – there probably should have been more penalties. I, I would say that. There, there, it felt like very uh, handoffish. 
for the referees, but I thought that actually made it a, a lot more of an enjoyable game. But, you know, apart from that minor thing, I don't think you could put anything else wrong with it. So, look, you've, you've ranked it as number one and I've ranked it as number one. Um, there you go. <laughs> but I think, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's sleep on it for 10 years. <laughs> and see and come back to it because I think it's it's like to me it's like it's a bit like choosing the next NRL immortal before mm. before you know as soon as they, they've they've hung up their boots a la Andrew Johns it doesn't feel right it feels like yes. you've got to wait a bit to see whether the legacy stands up over time because yeah you're right we might all be just a bit emotional about things and and you know it's it's good to kind of look at it in a, an unbiased scientific way, uh, you know, or really over time, like ha- have have has that story and that narrative stood the test of time. That's really the key thing, and that's that's not just about stats. That's just about you know people's. I'm going to go watch it again. I'm going to go watch it again too. It it was it was amazing. There was so much going on. And look, a big big shout out. The final thing I'm going to say is big shout out to the referee. You mentioned it, Andrew G. No, what was his name? Is it Andrew G? Uh, whatever his name was. Um, I think it was Ali, right? Ali G? No. <laughs> um, in a very Bill Harrigan-esque style performance as referee, <laughs> let the let the game roll on, uh, you know, stopped it only when needed to, was, and, and I think got universal praise, I believe. I mean, there was some, look, there were some things where I thought, you know, even the bunker, I thought the Flegler try wasn't really a try. I wasn't really sure whether the, the ball touched the line. I think there was an angle that some people were saying, if you look at it from this particular angle, you can see that the ball touches the line. I felt like it wasn't the case uh, from what I saw, but then again, I didn't see all the angles. But, you know, again, apart from that, and apart from the fact that, you know, a lot of people were saying online that they felt that the uh, the Panthers, you know, were got away with a few things. I thought basically both teams got away with a few things. There were quite a few, you know, bit, you know, slightly high tackles and a bit rough tackles that could have been called up, could have been penalised, but weren't and were just allowed to get, get on with it. And and I think that made it, you're right, made it a bit of a better spectacle and and the initial kind of breakneck speed at which the game was played really set the tone for the entire game. I thought by the, you know, at one point I think I looked up and I was like, phew, uh, is it half time yet? And it was like nine minutes in. I thought, wow, this <laughs> game this game feels like it's been gone for 40 minutes. It's been so, and I'm not the only one because that's the commentators felt the same way and were saying this is such a high speed game. And I think the stats bore that out as well. But look, my final comment is I think, you know, regardless of whether this is to be ranked as one of the best of all time, it was, you know, a very enjoyable game. You know, both teams obviously put their heart and soul into it. Both teams are beneficiaries uh, of, of a youth development system. Both of them, I think, mm. you're right in saying that the Broncos, yes, they recruited some players to supplement their youth strategy, and both teams dominated this year more than anyone. And the only other team that's going to come close, I think, in years to come is really uh, the Warriors, uh, the way that the Warriors are building. They didn't quite get there, but they are following a similar path of trying to really build a community-based club based on you know, local talent, local kind of, um, you know, strength 
and and uh yeah i think that's the model for the future so this in many ways is not just a great grand final it's a turning point i think in the way nrl clubs are to be successful and, and what model of success or what the what that model of success looks like so well done to the panthers three pete you have taken the crown off my beloved eels unfortunately um i'm angry about that but i'm happy for you because uh it remains in western sydney that's the main thing um well that's my take on it let's move on to tackle number three we're going to talk about ivan cleary very briefly here we go All right, so a very brief kind of funny story here where the morning after this victory, Ivan Cleary was called at, I think it was a 6 a.m. interview, fair income, 6 a.m. interview by Channel 9's Today Show. Carl Stefanovic, I think the the the, the video has gone viral. Um, Ivan Cleary, well, I wouldn't say he looks intoxicated. He looks tired, which you're entitled to be when mm. you've just won a grand final, uh, the third in a row the, the night before. Um, I just wanted to raise this, a bit of a funny story. He uh, he has come across as an absolute comedic talent and a really great <laughs> interview. I would recommend anyone to watch this yeah. four, five-minute, whatever, interview. Um, I, it, was, it was really great. It was heartfelt. He talked about... His, the community, there was a bit of back and forth with Carl Stefanovic, who's a, who's a Broncos or I think he's a Broncos fan. He's definitely a Queensland fan. And uh, there was a couple of quotes here that I thought I wanted to mention. Um, that uh, One was about, you know, obviously he was being sarcastic, uh, Ivan Cleary, because he was being asked about, you know, what the comeback and how – was he surprised, I think, at how they came back and, and ended the game so forcefully and so well? And and he said he said something to the effect of, yeah, Queenslanders, they, they, fa- they like, fail at the end of a game a lot of the time. <laughs> and obviously, talking about that Queensland spirit, totally, totally the opposite, very sarcastic, but had Carl Stefanovic in stitches, uh, it was it was brilliant, and considering he looked like he was tired, possibly had drunk a few. In fact, was holding a beer at the time. Um, I would I would have thought this is someone who still has his wits about him, despite the fact that he's entitled to not have his wits about him. But to me, the the biggest clanger was he talked about his uh, his his was talking about Nathan Cleary, his son, and how proud he was of his son. And he said to him, you know, you really should thank your mother for uh for for all the success not me is he said uh, i said to him yesterday if i'd married someone else he would have been a pretty shitty player <laughs> so i thought that was pretty funny uh basically saying to nathan you know you give your props to your mum <laughs> and which i thought was a nice little sentiment but again the way he delivered it comedic timing who knew that ivan cleary had the 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 comedic timing of an eddie murphy or a jerry seinfeld I had no idea, but there you go. It was pretty good. I don't know, Tish, if you saw it, but, um, yeah, it was yeah, uh, pretty I, funny. I did, and look, at least Ivan is good for something because, according to the Daly M's, he sucks as a coach, uh, <laughs> even though even though they've come first or equal first in the last four years. There's only one at once. 
and he's won three grand finals now and made four in the last four years. <laughs> but no, Dally M, no, not him. <laughs> and you know what? That's a good segue into our next tackle where we're going to talk about the Dally M's. Here we go. All right, so another thing that happened during Grand Final Week, which we didn't get to last week, was um, the Dally M Awards. So the Dally M Award for the men's was won by Kalen Ponga, uh, who scored 56 points. He was just one point ahead of Sean Johnson at 55, and then Nico Hines at 54. Uh, and then So they were the top three by a fair way. So well done, Callum Ponga. Despite the fact he missed six games and possibly was going to be medically retired at some point with concussion, he's come back and won a Delhi M. So unbelievable performance there. Well done. In mm. the women's, Tamika Upton. So there's something about Newcastle Knights fullbacks because she, the mm. Newcastle Knights fullback, also won the Delhi M Women's Award, um, again by one point over Taryn Aiken, uh, 27 and 26, and then uh, Daylight, basically, to third in the, in the case of the women's list. Let me go through the full list of winners, um, and then I'll get your take on uh, on, on anyone that uh, you're thinking you want to talk about. So the, the winner, obviously, Kalen Ponga for the men's, fullback of the year, Kalen Ponga, Dallin Watner-Zelezniak, winger of the year, along with Jermaine Izarko, centres of the year, Stephen Crichton and Herbie Farnworth, five-eighth of the year, Ezra Mam. Halfback of the year, Sean Johnson. Prop of the year, Payne Haas and Adam Fanua-Blake. Hooker of the year, Harry Grant. Second rowers of the year, Liam Martin and David Fafida. Lock of the year, Patrick Carrigan. Uh, the Peter Fralingos headline moment, Dolphins Fin Credible Roosters boil over. The Proven Summons medal to Nico Hines from the Sharks. Coach of the year, Adam Webster from the Warriors. Rookie of the year, Sunya Turuva from the Penrith Panthers. Dallium Captain of the Year, Adam Reynolds from the Broncos. Try of the Year to Matthew Fiagai from uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons. The Tackle of the Year from Hamoli Olakowatu from Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Ken Irvine Medal to Jermaine Izarko. Top Point Scorer, again, to Jermaine Izarko of the, of the Dolphins. And the VB Hardest Working Player of the Year, Adam Fanua Blake from the Warriors. Um... Let's stick with the men's for a minute. What did you think about any of those? Look, I, I look at those and I see Penrith, Brisbane, Sean Johnson. Um, I can't argue with many of those. Rookie of the Year, Taruva had a great grand final uh, for the Panthers as well. What Webster, I think, was deserving of the Warriors, although you, you might say that Ivan Cleary would have a claim to it. What did you think about the, the list of winners for the men's? Yeah, look, I think overall... Um you know, no offense to any of the players I won. I thought, I thought, you know, all of them. You, you could say, yeah, um, that they are the Dalliem. But I just, I just felt that um, there was, uh, there was a very skinny roster of Penrith Panthers players in there, right? You had Liam Martin and you had Stephen Crichton, and that was it. Um, so I think, where is the Moses Leota, for example? I know Adam Finial Blake. You can't go wrong with him. You can't go wrong with Payne Haas. But I feel like, uh, yeah. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, when you're playing for a team that's been so dominant, you kind of want to share the awards out with other people, <laughs> right? And and I kind of it kind of hurt me a little bit because uh, you know you got the two grand finals in there, um, taking out Santa a five A for the year, 
you know, taking out, you know, one of one of the front rowers, the lock of the year. Ooh, you just think, okay, well, there's quite a lot of Brisbane players here. A few Warriors players sprinkled in, which makes sense. A few of the Newcastle players that had, that had a pretty good season, but really hardly any, like two Panthers in the whole team, right? I know Rookie of the Year got some. And then, look, um, the Figue try was fantastic, uh, but he didn't backflip and score a try like um, the Newcastle player. Uh, I just forgot his name now. Um, you know, uh, but, yeah, I'd say, yeah, a couple of things kind of, you know, I don't 100% agree with. Um uh, but but I don't think there's any sort of uh, you know like tragedy that so and so won half back of the year or something like that. You know I, I felt that they were all um, you know pretty well you know outstanding winners. Um, but I just feel that uh, I feel like a few of the uh, Penrith players might have been um, you know a victim of their own success, shall we say? Yeah, a victim of the fact that they're they're a, a team with a system as opposed mm. to standout players necessarily, which I think is probably the reason for their success. So there you go. Um, for the NRL women's, Tamika Upton obviously won a Dalian medal. She was also fullback of the year. Wingers of the year were Jakia Whitfield of the West Tigers, Julie Robinson of the Brisbane Broncos. The centres of the year were Isabel Kelly from the Roosters and Melly Hufanga from the Broncos. Five-eighth of the year, Taryn Aiken. Halfback Ali Brigginshaw, prop of the ish, uh, two props, Shannon Marto from the Titans and Sarah Togatuki from the Tigers. Hooker of the year, Destiny Brill from the Brisbane Broncos. Second rowers, the Asman Clysdale and Olivia Koenig. Lock of the year, Samema Tofa from the Raiders. Proven Summons medal, Lavinia Gould from the Broncos. Dallium coach of the year, Karen Murphy from the Gold Coast Titans. Rookie of the year, Anessa Biddle from the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. Captain of the year, Samema Tofa from the Raiders. Try of the year, Jesse Southwell, the Newcastle Knights. Tackle of the year, Jakia Whitfield of the Tigers. Top try scorer, Tegan Berry from the Dragons. And top point scorer, Ali Brigginshaw from the Broncos. Tish, uh, your thoughts on this? Uh, Tamika, again, dominant, dominant, dominant. Yeah. And really, I think I mentioned the points. Tamika Upton and Taryn Aiken, uh, who was uh, the, was she the 5-8th of the year? 5-8th of the year. Two of the dominant players, I think, and that, that's absolutely fair enough that the points reflect that. Um, and some of the usual names, Brigginshaw, Samima Taufa, again, um, I think she used to be, if I'm not mistaken, she was an Eels player previously. Unfortunately, now plays for the Raiders. Mm. But, you know, yeah. there you go. Look, the fact that we these are names that we're recognising more and more um, the more we get exposed to the game. So in a few short years, we have seen the women's game go from strength to strength and uh well done to tamika well done to something about newcastle fullbacks this year mm, <laughs> that mm. seems to have been uh, something in the water there at uh, at newcastle but what were your thoughts on on the the dalian uh winners for the nrlw well i think congratulations to all the winners i think taranakin definitely makes sense uh actually no it's not taranakin uh sorry about tamika i should say Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely makes sense in terms of, um, you know, the player of the year, the, the Dahlia medal winner, um, absolutely amazing. And then obviously with the grand final back it up. Um, and I thought, yeah, look, they were fantastic. Good to see my team, a couple of West Tigers players in there, which I thought was fantastic, which is all good. But look, I do have to say, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, I suppose you, you do these before the grand final, but, you know, Tracy Chapman scoring three tries. You know, in the grand Jamie final, Chapman. Jamie oh, Chapman. Sorry, ja- Jamie Chapman. Okay, sorry, <laughs> Jamie Chapman. 
<laughs> yeah. Missing from centre of the year. Um, so so maybe, look, I think, again, you know, it's, it is the way that the Dallium's are sort of sorted out. But, you know, Isabel Kelly in the centres and, uh, uh, you know, Meli Hufayange, I think I think they're, they're quite outstanding players as well. So definitely a great NRLW season. The talent pool is getting better and bigger. And I think... Um, yeah, I think these. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive uh, next year as well. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, how many of these players will be able to repeat? Because I think the competition is just going to get stronger for these. You know, the the, the top recognised players. Absolutely. Look, our next tackle. We're going to talk about the upcoming international uh, season. And we're going to start with the announcements of the men's teams in the Pacific Championships. Here we go, tackle number five. All right, so the international season is upon us. We're going to talk later about, um, or next week, about... The Tonga and England three-test series that's about to be played over there in England. But over this side of the world, we've got the Pacific Championships, which has been uh, which is uh, involving uh, a number of teams. And a few of those squads have been announced. So I'll quickly go through some of the announcements or the big the big things. You know, Australia has announced their, their squad. Uh, James Tedesco, congratulations. I think the first time he's uh, captain in uh, a squad in this uh, in this environment. And um, and you've got um, look, Nathan Cleary was all set to be halfback, but he has been ruled unfit. I think we what I forgot to mention is he actually well, after the game we found out that uh, he actually played the grand final with a knee injury for most of it. So he has to actually fix his knee because something's completely wrong with it, um, which means he misses out on being our halfback for this Pacific Championship. Um, and I think that leaves Daly Cherry Evans as the incumbent from Queensland. So he will be there. Um, another big loss, I think, is Latrell Mitchell. He's not playing, although I believe he played in the Curry knockout on the weekend, which is <laughs> Mal Meninga wasn't very happy about um, the fact that he's ruled himself out of an international game, but still went ahead and played, uh, you know, admittedly a non-competitive uh, professional game, but still... Um, you know, very doesn't send the right message, I think. But um, the other, I guess, what, what other major? Well, let me just go through the squad for Australia: Josh Adokar, Patrick Carrigan, Dudley Cherry Evans, Selwyn Cobbo, Lindsay Collins, Ruben Cotter, Tino, Thomas Flegler, Harry Grant, Payne Haas, Valentine Holmes, Ben Hunt, Nico Hines. Oh yeah, Nico Hines has come in as well as a backup halfback. Liam Martin, Cameron Munster, Cameron Murray, Katoni Staggs, Hamiso Tabuafido, James Tedesco as captain, Jake Trebojevic and Isaiah Yo. Nothing really surprising there to me. Tish, what do you think about the Aussie squad? Yeah, look, I think I think a great squad. I think uh, obviously Australia, you know, uh, blessed with such abundant talent. Um, probably the only player that I was surprised didn't get a look in was Reese Walsh. Because he's been an absolute superstar, right? So I'm not too sure if that's injury related. Um, because there are a couple of players like that. Um, yeah, and uh, I think Nico Hines uh, was brought into the team after the whole Cleary thing. So, um, and I think there is talk that there might be a few other players that might also miss out, um, but then were picked anyway in an extended squad. So, look, there is there is 
maybe some changes through through but look obviously i think in the pacific cup uh australia they've got a strong team and um you know that's that's probably why they will probably be favorites for this tournament yeah and so i should mention sorry that the there is a a tiered system for uh for this there's two tiers there's a pacific cup and a pacific bowl for the pacific cup we have the kangaroos toa samoa and the new zealand kiwis and for the uh the pacific bowl we've got the png kumuls the cook island i2 and the fiji Bati. um and so obviously the two-tiered system means that we're going to get competitive games um and uh i think so look the other team that was announced was uh one of the other pacific cup teams new zealand so new zealand has announced Nelson Asafa Solomona, Dylan Brown, Faumanu Brown, James Fisher Harris, Kieran Foran, Wirima Gregg, Jerome Hughes, Jermaine Izako, um, Keanu Keeney, Moses Leota, Danny Levy, uh, Joseph Manu, Ronald, Ronaldo Molitalo, Griffin Neem, Charles Nicol Clogstad, Britain, sorry, Brighton Nicora, Isaiah Papali, Joseph Tarpane, Leo Thompson, Matthew Timoko and Nofahu White. Um, key, an interesting omission is Dallin Watner's in Lesniak, and the reason for that is he has devoted, he switched his allegiance to Tonga. So when I think Tonga hasn't hasn't or is about to announce their team, most likely they'll pick him. Um, that's a big loss for New Zealand, but, geez, looking at that squad, that's a very strong squad from New Zealand. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, blessed with so much talent. And uh, look, uh, Sean Johnson, I think he is uh, recovering, recovering, so that's why he's not selected. But I think Dylan Brown and uh, Jerome Hughes make a, make an awesome uh, pairing there. So, um, And there's going to be competition for spots, for fullback spots in the centres and so forth. So I think it's still, you know, they've probably suffered a lot due to all the defectors and you've got another defector happening as well. But I don't... Uh, you know they're still they're still such a great rugby league nation, New Zealand. So, um, yeah, I think Australia and New Zealand are going to be some fantastic matches um, there. And look, I, I have seen a bit of the Tongan side, um, and yeah. So, I, I, but they don't play the game for a while. So, there's there's there is uh, there's actually a Fijian defector too. So, which obviously I'm not very happy about. But you know, oh, there, you, there go. you go. My goodness. <laughs> Yeah. All right, look, Samoa is the other team. We'll just quickly go through them. Jesse Arthurs from the Broncos, Dejan Arcee from the Parramatta Eels, Gordon Chan Kumtong from Manly Warringah Seagulls, Stephen Crichton, Sua Luvi Falongo from the Melbourne Storm, Royce Hunt from the Sharks, Luciana, Luciana Lulua from North Queensland Cowboys, Connolly Lemuelu from the Dolphins, Spencer Lenu from the Panthers, Halem Lukey from the Cowboys, uh, Greg Gray Marzi, Greg Marzi from the Knights, Justin Matamua from the Tigers, Terrell May from the Roosters, Carl Aluapu from the Bulldogs, Keenan Palazia from the Broncos, Junior Paulo from the Eels, Isaac Tango from the Penrith Panthers, uh, Murray Talangi from the Cowboys, Young Tonamapia from Storm, Brian Toor from the Panthers, and Stefano Utokuamanu from, I keep getting that name wrong, from the Tigers. Look, this is a pretty strong squad, and the only thing that's missing, I think, is a. Uh, I'm I'm unclear on on the halves combination and how strong they will be, but they've yeah. got some very strong backs and very strong forwards, 
And and really, I, I think this is going to be, uh, you know, I don't know if they'll reach the heights of the World Cup final, um, but look, let's see how they go. What do you think about the Samoan team? Yeah, look, uh, you are right. Like, they are missing uh, their key playmaker in Jerome Luai. Um, but that, I mean, but they still are very talented, very skillful. And I think also, like, you know, we talked about this with the Broncos as well, that they have a lot of players that don't need a lot of uh of space or encouragement to uh to be able to sort of um you know create gaps and, and go for opportunities so i think um i think they're still going to be quite competitive and um a bit of a rebuild i feel for them so um you know obviously after the heights of making it to the world cup uh finals last year so um i think i think yeah this is going to be great um to see how Samoa are going to go kind of like their you know, it's a mix between their top team and some uh, emerging players that they want to bring in. So, um, yeah, really exciting to see, I suppose, a new phase of Samoan Rugby League, um, you know, coming to 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 the forefront. All right. And, look, this team, these games aren't going to be played for another week, so we'll hold our tips until next week. But I do want to finish this podcast with uh, a review of how we went last weekend. So our final tackle is the tips for the grand final day. Here we go. So on grand final day, we had three games. And Tish, you got one out of three, which brings you to 135. And I got three out of three. So wow. brings me to 133. So I'm still two behind you. But there are a few games still yet to be played this year in the international series. And we're going to count them all to our uh, until we until we get to the final whistle. So Tish, my first, I think it's my first uh, clean sweep that, that I got throughout the whole year. It only needed three yeah. games, but there you go. But look, it's been a great season of NRL tipping. Uh, not for us, though. For other people, maybe. I think I've been terrible this year. <laughs> I think I stuck to the eels for too long, uh, unfortunately, with uh, with my biased eyes. But Tish, uh, look, so far you've won the NRL part of it, plus the origin, but we are going to continue this. Just thought I wanted to wrap it up. We don't have any tips yet because there isn't a game to be played for another mm. week or so, week and a half. So we're going to hold our tips for the international games until next week where we dive yeah. into each of those and we preview those games in, in depth. But, Tish, um, I have nothing else to say. I think we're done and dusted for today. Let's uh, wrap it up. Over to you to wrap this one up, Tish. Well, thank you, Dr. T. Again, what an absolutely amazing round final. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. And watch again if you have seen it because it was absolutely amazing. But, look, that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.